1: First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Phillipone. All right, let's do this. Thanks for being with us on a week seven edition of First and Pod. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filippone. Subscribe, rate, review. Do us a favor. We do every game, every week, every team, twice a week for your Friday and Monday morning commute. If you know someone who likes the NFL, tell a friend. Pony is fresh off television after a... Zero combined point second half Sunday night football game Dolphins sixteen Steelers ten What's the league uh, the lead in Pittsburgh Monday afternoon?
0: Yeah, the lead in Pittsburgh is going to be that the quarterback, the rookie quarterback, threw two interceptions on their last two drives, and what that means, you know, Pickett's turnovers late in the game. So for us, that'll be the focus: two touchdowns, seven picks to start Kenny's career you know is that a harbinger of things to come or is that just what rookies have to go through on the road to becoming a great quarterback and uh, that that was for a kenny supporter like myself that was a very difficult final few minutes of the game danny that was a tough one for me
1: yeah he had he had some bad ones i mean the first one you know claypool fell down um i got to say this is purely anecdotal but seen a lot of them. You know, it's it, it's been easy for out of towners to to see yeah. a lot of them because the sample is still so small. Trent Dilfer comes on our show and he talks he says there's you grade Justin Fields and you grade quarterbacks and remember he's he runs the Elite 11 camp. Basically, anyone who's been a good quarterback prospect in the NFL in the last decade has come through Trent Dilfer's camp. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, all of them. And He says there's the playmaking bucket, there's the pocket bucket, and there's the stuff bucket. There's these three things. I think the stuff bucket's there, man, on Pickett. He's... he just how he carries himself after runs, after he gets hit, after he throws an interception, even. Like, he... It's 44 pass attempts for a rookie. Like, the guy has no quit in him no fear in him um yeah he tucks it and runs some which is okay it's an asset but he's willing to go down firing so like purely anecdotally from afar I still kind of like what I see along the periphery from him I I think he's gonna be good
0: yeah so do I I mean he doesn't look deer in headlights he doesn't look overwhelmed he made an incredible throw to extend that last drive on fourth and six where he yeah did it in there to Friar which is a Catch, throw and a catch if Mahomes, Rodgers, Josh Allen, if any of those guys make that throw in that moment, they're getting uh, plaudits from analysts. It was just incredible. Uh, you know, We've we got a major coaching situation here where the offensive coordinator was a college journeyman, has no business calling NFL plays, and the penultimate drive that went belly up they had third and short and he tried to motion miles Boykin, a wide receiver into the backfield to do like a Bush push to get a first down. And it's like, dude, if you're going to do that, do what the Eagles do and get a large human being back there to yeah. push him. Not a wide receiver, not some kind of bells and whistles play, you know, something that the Steelers have not done all year. You're trying to execute in the most critical moment. So if that play gets executed correctly, you know maybe none of this happens with the two interceptions at the end of the game for Pickett. So, you know they left meat on the bone. Their defense rallied in the second half, but they dropped a million interceptions. Pick, uh, to be totally truthful, and I'm, I'm not just saying this is a Pickett bias guy. I actually thought he played better than Tua because Tua got away outside of the first couple drives.
1: Two well, yeah, The first couple of drives, it, it it could have been 21 0.
0: Right. And two yeah. got and two got away with like five interceptions. Yeah, there was some I bad think, drops. I think PFF's gonna give him a terrible grade for this. Yeah, they game, will, if I had to guess.
1: Yeah. He he was he was not good. I mean, it was not a good or enjoyable viewing experience, I gotta say. Um, it was it was not enjoyable in any way other than the fact that I bet the under at 45 and a half, a huge storyline going in. Was obviously concussion protocol. Uh Tua looked sharp like McDaniel said he had been since the first incident. He really did. I mean, obviously he he had the bad throws, but in terms of operationally crispness, all that stuff, getting the ball out, anything that you would be able to like armchair diagnose. And then he tried to like put his head down and run. That's and what I was
0: gonna say. Concussed himself two or three times in this game all over again. It's so
1: interesting to me, man. Like, we talked about it a lot on last week's show. Like, they are carrying themselves like he suffered one normal concussion, not two horrifying ones within four days of each other. And the more I see of their actions, the more confused and compelled I am to believe them that maybe his back did really lock up, even though it seems ridiculous. And I want to believe my eyes because don't you think that there'd be some degree of caution? Like if they were scared or if he was scared or if a doctor had said anything scary, don't you think he's not lowering his head the few times that he does run the ball? Well, I think he's wired differently, but that's where the coaching comes in. Like, hey, you're going back out
0: there, but there's no, yeah, you're not taking on, even with the adrenaline going and the heat of the moment, you can't subject yourself to those plays. I do think we saw, again, in a primetime spot, the bloom is off the rose with McDaniel. You know, His game management decisions were very poor. The fourth and three to go for it, when they were up 16-10, you're not playing the Chiefs. You're not playing the Bills. You're playing the Steelers in a broken offense. You kick the field goal that was not an analytics thing. The analytics said, barely, you kick it. And Micah's theory in that situation is, I think these are human beings. We have to remember that. I think he knows the entire football world is watching. He's an offensive coach. And his ego's like, we're going to make this play. You know, I think that's what overcomes these guys in situations like that. So his whole boy genius motif, I think, is worn off here, Danny. I didn't think the shine would come off over the concussion stuff, but I think it clearly has with the way he's coached the last few games. I'd still
1: take him in a heartbeat. I'd still buy into the well, play. Yeah, your, your team's coached by Matt Eberflus right now. Yeah, and yours is coached by Matt Canada.
0: Well, like s- Tomlin, but yes.
1: Who offensively. He, who, who
0: employs... That person, correct. Yeah,
1: yeah. and Matt Eberflus employs Luke Getze, who will be gone in a year or two, and the Bears will have to start over offensively mm. again. And then they'll start over in a year or two after Eberflus <laughs> is gone, because that's my lot in life as a Bears fan. All right, let's first, uh, a historic first on first and pod. I'd like to lump two games together and discuss Four teams, but we can kind of do it as two and two. Okay. Because while one was a bigger favorite than the other, two first ballot Hall of Fame all-time quarterbacks of a generation lost as favorites. Brady and the Bucks to Carolina in the survivor pool, you know, loser of the week. It's been an absolute bloodbath through seven weeks. And then the Packers against the Commanders who have now lost to the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders in consecutive weeks. Which of those teams, preseason Super Bowl aspiring NFC Hall of Fame-led teams, Bucks or Packers, have more hope to be relevant come the end of the season? Green Bay, and I don't even think it's close, just because of who they've lost to. You know, the
0: hows of it are pretty similar, how it's happened. Both quarterbacks have been not only have they been not, not only have they have, have they not been productive, but just the way they've carried themselves and acted in game, where they're wearing their emotions on their sleeve, and there's like this frustration level with these two guys that's happened not just in an isolated uh spot. It just it, it's it's happening over and over again. It's a pattern. But the Packers have lost to the Jets, who are 5-2. and two. The Giants, who, you know, they never seem to die. They win every game by the skin of their teeth. And it was a road game, not against a good team, but you could try to make that argument for Green Bay. The Bucs have lost to the Steelers' incompetent offense that had Mitch Trubisky in at the end of the game, and the Panthers, who are trying to get the number one pick in back-to-back weeks. Like, open-shut case for me.
1: Yeah, I think you're wrong. Um, I loved how Rodgers carried himself after the game. I know you were doing TV. I'm not sure. Oh, I, he thought he,
0: I thought it was so fake and phony with him. I thought he was overcompensating.
1: I, I thought think he was that, projecting. I, I, I think it's the type of thing that plays, man. It's the type with of thing. With who? That, a, a football locker room. The, oh, he's so off
0: in his own little world. They, he can't relate to those guys at all, Danny.
1: Oh, I disagree. I disagree, man. You mentioned Matt Eberflus. His whole thing is the HITs principle. HITS, hustle, intensity, takeaways, smart situational football. Oh, right. Like, that's If this were Friday night lights, that would work out great for him. If that I, I understand, but you know who likes it? The players. Like it we're, we're not dealing with, you know, you got to figure out ways to be broad. So like Aaron Rodgers speaking that language, I bet you it does play. But here's the thing, man. Path to the playoffs. Pulled this up for you. Green Bay to win the NFC North. You want to take a guess? At what they are? Yeah.
0: I'll tell you what. If it's more than like three or four to one, I will make that bet live on the air right now. Plus 490.
1: Like it. You want to take a bet a guess at what Tampa Bay is to win the NFC South? Uh, I bet they're still minus something. Minus 270. Yeah, I know. Okay, but I'm just saying. So, so you, so like that is a, because I, my initial reaction was what you were saying because of the caliber of the teams and that it looks like Brady at some point might just like tap out and call to the bullpen and completely hang it up. But path to the playoffs, man, Tampa easily can win a bad division still. They would have a home game if it ended today. Like we need to start talking about the NFC South, like we've been talking about the AFC South, because we are one week away. If Carolina beats Atlanta and Tampa loses next week, and I forget on Thursday night to Baltimore on Thursday night to Baltimore. Thank you. Carolina would be in sole possession of first place in the NFC South. That's insane. They're trying well, to take. You, you, I understand that, but you.
0: So you didn't ask me who has a better chance of making the playoffs. You basically asked me which team
1: has, who has a better, better chance, chance to be relevant at the end huh? of the season, right? Well, the so, team that has a better chance to win the division was going to be, dude. Green Bay is going to miss the playoffs. Well, I would not. I mean, that that's probably that the
0: probability of that is at this point, I would say, would exceed fifty percent, but. Which, which team right now do I think is better? I think it's Green Bay. Or yes. at least has the chance to get better. I think right now Aaron Rodgers has a better chance, even though the weapon differential is vast between what the Bucs have at wide receiver or are supposed to have at wide receiver as compared to Green Bay. And Lazard got hurt with his shoulder, and Bakhtiari didn't even play today because his knee's bad again. I mean, th- th- that's those are troubling... Uh, injuries for the Packers. Uh, I just, to me, you've reached a point of no return when the Panthers blow you out. You get embarrassed by them. You score three points, dude. Yeah. DJ Moore, and yeah. your coach is not any good. That's another big distinction. You like Lafleur. Everyone said to Todd Bowles, "Well, he just inherited a bad Jets team." Well, maybe this guy just sucks at his job. You see his defense today. Can't stop Deontay Foreman.
1: Yeah, I listen. I, I did see, and PJ Walker figured out a way to get DJ more involved, which they weren't able to do. Um, listen, I thought the Packers were the best team in the NFC until last week, so I'm pretty jarred here. I'm, I'm thrown for a loop. I, I don't understand what's going on. It doesn't like. Rodgers is off. The playmakers are off. The offensive line is off. The defense is off. Like they they are not getting. They are. They can't run the ball. They can't run the ball. They can't take away. They get takeaways. Like they, they are just a disaster in every facet of the game. Um, I thought that Terry McLaurin was amazing today, and Taylor Heineke started one for seven
0: with a pick six.
1: Yeah, but then like not locked in that's overstating it, but his box score looks way worse than it did. Like he, he clearly settled in and he's a, he's a fun backup quarterback. hundred percent agree. And, and McLaurin man, that guy is worth every penny that they gave him. I would love to see him get a plus quarterback to see what he could do. Cause I, I think he's a true one. And uh, I wish that they, I wish the Panthers would trade DJ Moore to a real quarterback, but maybe he'll have to wait until next year. But that crazy development with those two guys today in in the NFL, I consider them both like 1A, 1A stories, uh, Rodgers and Brady. But let's get to the rest of the slate. Niners Chiefs, they're the highest scoring offense in the NFL. They just did it again against the top three statistical defense that had Bosa back. Have we, since we've seen this for so long, have we collectively taken the Chiefs' offense for granted?
0: Well, I was just, I did not think that you were going to subtract Tyreek Hill and that they were going to get back to this level. I still thought they were going to be really good, but I will admit that I thought without him, they were going to miss him. And that was a big statement gained by them offensively, no doubt. I think that what we're going to, try to figure out here over the next, you know, 11 games or 11 weeks is going to be, you know, is there a team that might not be on Buffalo or, or Kansas City's level offensively in the AFC, but they're close and maybe their defense is good enough to kind of make it, you know, where they can enter in as the third team with those two. Because you know, coming off the Buffalo loss at home, I think the Chiefs needed a game like this. You know, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen today, just because they're going to San Francisco. They've got a big jolt, whether you know, more symbolically with getting McCaffrey. I didn't think it was going to manifest in terms of his production and performance in this game. But I thought their morale was going to be great, getting all those guys back. And I thought I kind of thought Kansas City was going to just maybe kind of languish or sleepwalk a little bit in this game. And to their credit, they didn't. And that's the mark of an awesome team led by an all-time great quarterback.
1: And coach. And and Um, coach, yeah. Yeah. What do you make, as someone who saw every play of his career, what do you make of what Juju Smith-Schuster's doing? Because he's going to the Pro Bowl. He's been awesome. Yeah. Look, Le- I mean, legitimately well, awesome. He was great today.
0: Yeah, but I'll say this. They clearly didn't see this coming from him either because with the way they paid him, they gave Marquez Valdez-Scantling
1: more money than they gave Juju. I think they were throwing darts, man. I think, and, they, were, I think they were just saying, we're going to get five draft picks for Tyreek Hill and save the money and acquire multiple assets and see well, who fits and I- what we can make work.
0: I know they liked him the year before he came back to play with Ben in 2021. And I think the reason why they're such a big fan of the guy is because he does lay it all out there. He's not a pre-Madonna wide receiver. He might do all the TikTok bullshit and Instagram stuff. But when he gets in the social media stuff, but when he gets in between the white lines, he's a tough guy. And I kind of thought that there was too much almost mileage on him Whereas a wide receiver, he had slowed down a lot in kind of the physical way that he played. He just didn't have the burst and the big play potential that he had his first couple of years in the league. But clearly, like he said on Sunday Night Football a couple of weeks ago, you give him the right p- play caller and the right quarterback, and he can become that
1: player again. So Yeah, I mean, and Valdez Scantling was good too. I mean, he had 111 yards on just three catches today. You know, it, it's, it's clearly a system thing, but... Juju just jumps off the screen, man. Like getting him with a live arm quarterback again, and as you know, and as you and said, I thought, he was just kind of just going to be a possession receiver type player. He's tough That's as hell. It. He's catching everything. Yeah, I mean, he's looking to Kelsey first and Juju second on basically every play by design. um Obviously, not as explosive as Tyreek Hill, but if he's going to catch everything in like the intermediate route area. That's going to be good enough. And I think Pacheco
0: and I think Moore, even though Moore hasn't done much yet, I think there's still enough time left in the season where both of those guys could become huge factors in their offense. Do not sleep on either one of those rookies carving out
1: a niche for themselves and being big-time contributors by the time we get to January. Well, that's the thing. The Chiefs play a lot of young guys. Um, so yeah, they, they, they still can get better, but that, I thought, I thought that was a hell of a game by them and McCaffrey, uh, just to touch on that story for a minute, he looked real good, real early. Yep. And then over the course of the game, it, he maybe just wasn't, you know, whatever the ga- game, yeah, he gets a pass. He yeah. Gets a pass. He gets, he gets a pass. but you know, he's been good this year and he looked good early, but it was just such a small sample, uh, for him. but. You could tell, in and Aaron Andrews reported, she was like, "Yeah, the, the the defensive players were smiling when he was making these plays up on the jumbotron." Like, I, I do think their roster is scary when healthy, but whew, they got their ass humbled today. That was a well, the Garoppolo.
0: Game. Well, the Garoppolo thing is going to be. There is so much pressure on him now, and yeah. I actually think, in a way. I almost look at this as a no win for him,
1: unless he wins.
0: Well, but just but even think about it this way: Do you think, with all the embarrassment of riches they have now, if he plays well, do you think he's going to get any credit for it? Because I don't. I think the I think the players around him, and I think the coach
1: will more than him. It. I mean, it depends. Like, if if they win. We talked about this. If they win the NFC, or win a Super Bowl, which is what the expectations are, they'll still go back to Trey Lance overwhelmingly likely. I think
0: it's a Wentz Foles situation, and I think that the way the Foles thing went in in your hometown, I think that there's going to be a lot of that. Like, you know what? If we're so desperate, maybe we'll give the guy like three years, sixty million, or something like that. But I don't think a smart team is. I, I think it only well, yeah, takes that's, one. That's a
1: win for him, by the way. Is it? yes dude he's not that good if he, if he signed a 145 million dollar contract then if his next contract is 60 million dollars to be the starting quarterback for a team that guarantees him a year of being a starter and if he plays well a second year of being a starter and that team drafts a quarterback I mean he's playing for what seven million bucks This year, right? Isn't something like that? Like, didn't they have actual salary? Yeah, right. Obviously, right. They they had to pay him more, but in terms of the actual number that it had to get slashed down to, like he he was about to be a backup quarterback or a you know QB competition quarterback for bad teams for the next five years, but if he wins yeah from that,
0: from that from that perspective i agree with you based on like what it looked like in the summer for him that's all but yeah that's yeah, all. You're it right
1: is. He, you're, you're right about He that. is what he is yeah but he, he is what he is but i mean he yeah he will not get the most credit but if he wins games someone will talk themselves into well he's a starter we'll pay him starting mo- low end starting money and that that will make him eight figures compared to where he was going